Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Hey, everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get T-shirts. You can get caps. You can get coffee mugs. You can get hoodies. You can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Get an in-depth preview of the Chicago Bears' next opponent and John Buffone's passionate rants on Buffone 55, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central. Welcome to Greg Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia, and the handsome gentleman beside me is, of course, Greg Gabriel. You know, Aldo, you got to get rid of some of those picks you have in the lead, and that's when I was 40 pounds heavier. <laughs> I'll work on that right away. We'll, we'll squeeze him and make you look thinner. <laughs> so, yeah. you, you do look super good, man. What, 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 were you at the gym today? Every day. I, was, I, went, I didn't go... Um, Saturday because we had friends over for the weekend mm -hmm. and uh, you know the, they used to live here now they live in Vegas and uh, I we we partied a little bit Friday night so oh, nice nice I didn't make it Saturday but I did went Sunday through Friday and I went yesterday and went this morning I usually go about six between six and seven well, that's about what time I'm going to bed. So, a.m. <laughs> no, six or seven in the morning. Now you're not. <laughs> that's what I, I meant. <laughs> you, you, look at all that booze back there. You think that that's going to drink itself? <laughs> hey, Greg, look at what Chris Watts is saying. He says, hey, Greg and Aldo, being a Bears fan is as hard as trying to figure out the meaning of life. Bear down, mate. He's from across uh, the go. We've got to walk people off the, the, the ledge again. <laughs> Probably be, that's right that's how you uh, start every show you know, it's it, it it is what it is uh, you know part of this and, and i really believe this and i'm not questioning anything but I, I 
you know, I, I, I think that if, if Andy Dalton had been the starter, there'd be one or two more wins. But the team is still not a good team. The offense is a product of playing with a rookie that's still trying to figure things out. What I don't get, and I can't understand, because they had a run there of about three games where they played really good, is what the hell happened to the defense? Oh, my goodness. I mean, the last two weeks they've been, it's not bad. It's horrendous. Right. You know, giving up. And and not the, the screenplay was bad enough. But the play to me that was worse than the screenplay was the guy running it in from five yards through all those elephants on the Bears' defensive line and pushing them back. Yeah. That that was disturbing to me. Yeah, that showed a, a lack of uh, grit, a, a lack of wanting it more than the opposing team. Well, they, they, and, and I don't want to say in fairness, but I know Hicks was kind of high. He hit the guy at about the four-yard line, mm-hmm. and he kind of jumped on his on his back and – most normal people would go down if that guy jumped on your back, but you know, that wasn't the case here. And, and right. they all got carried right into the end zone. I mean, that's a ton of beef there that got moved. Yeah, indeed. You know, the, the bears defense, they had zero sacks. They had zero quarterback hits. They had zero takeaways. They forced zero punts. The Niners gained almost nine yards per play for a total of 467 and so many of those plays were explosive plays. I mean, over and over again, you looked up mm-hmm. at the TV and there was a, a, a big explosive play. And the play that you mentioned, that screenplay right here, was, uh, according to Matt Nagy this morning, was a backbreaker. Oh, there's no question. That's, a, you know, when I'm thinking about that, I, if I recall correctly, that's the first series they had the ball in the second half, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, it's third and 19. The Bears are going to get the ball right back. And at that point, they had like a 10 or 12-minute advantage in time of possession. And I go, they're going to wear this defense down now. That's what I thought. Or, yeah. And and all of a sudden, boom, they're right back in the game. Mm-hmm. Yep, it, it was – and, and uh, Brad Briggs did an excellent job of detailing everything that went wrong. And Matt Nagy's kind of summed it all up. It's just a bunch of players here taking a bad angle to the ball carrier. Right. After that great effort by Edwards, every everyone that had a chance to get him just had a bad angle. And, and right. that's, that's no, that's it was, the uh, you know, it was a backbreaking play. And then the play I mentioned, but th- th- there was just too many of them. Guys mm-hmm. were, the, the soft coverage in the secondary, uh, quarterback getting too much time to throw, not enough pressure. Overall, I mean, if you want to grade the defense off yesterday, it was an F. Yep. Here's just a, a random amounts of explosive plays that I, I picked from the, out from the highlight reel. Explosive plays are uh, – most people de- de- determine it as running plays of – plus 15 yards and pass plays of 20 or more yards. And uh, the 49ers had more than their share. And then I saw this analytic, too, that typically a team that has two plus more explosive plays than the opponent goes on to win a football game over 85% of the time. And so that seems to be, in a nutshell, what happened yesterday. It was those explosive plays. The 49ers had more of them. No question. And, 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 and very disappointing because, 
like I said, up until a couple of weeks ago, till, till really up until the Tampa Bay game, the defense has been playing sound football. Yeah. And uh, then all of a sudden it's like they're, they're no-shows. Mm-hmm. And is, you know, what's the reasoning? Is opposing offensive coordinators figuring out what Sean Desai is doing? and Or is Sean Desai calling a bad game? Mm-hmm. And, and down a distance situation, I don't have the answer to that. You know, you got to be sitting in Hallis Hall. By the way, you know, I missed the first maybe two minutes mm-hmm. of, of Nagy's presser, and obviously he wasn't in Hallis Hall. Did right. he give an update? Is he like, um, is he close to being back, or is he uh, is he sitting in the bunker again all week? Uh, he did not spe- specify. He. In typical Matt Nagy fashion, he talked about what it was like to watch the game from home. He talked about. No, I heard all that. I just yeah. heard. Well, know, he I started missed, with that too. I, he started. I, with I that. missed the opening the opening comments, and so I I, I was wondering, but I, you know, right away it was obvious he wasn't at Hallis Hall. Yeah, because that and uh, you know he's probably at home down in his basement, but maybe he's got to be in a. Quarantine. Maybe just you know they, they built that new hotel right down the street from uh, oh, yeah. uh, Hallis Hall. Maybe he's got a suite there that he's living in. For all we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, Chris has a has a question. Were the Bears out coached yesterday? Uh, no, they're outplayed. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it's not a it, it's not a hard game. The team that that plays harder wins. And and in all honesty. I, you know, it was a satisfactory game, and at least for three quarters of the game, on offense, it was a satisfactory game. Then they got behind, and they were kind of forced the issue a little bit, and that's not going to be Justin Fields' cup of tea quite yet. Right. You know, to play from behind, but uh, you know the way they ran the offense early on, the running game was pretty good. Uh, Fields himself, you know, I tweeted out midway through the game i said he's playing with a little swagger today i saw that yeah and 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 uh, you know i like that and you know one was after there was a a run he had to the right and then just his his reaction after that run Mm -hmm, uh, that that's when i i tweeted i really like that but uh uh and then that that touchdown run i mean that was that was all him that i mean there's probably not another quarterback in the league that could do that yeah, maybe Lamar uh, and Kyler are the only other ones. I think uh, Dan Pompey wrote that today at, on, at The Athletic. But, yeah, we've got just highlights of, of all of his positive plays here. And that last run, I mean, this is a, a tremendous pass to Jesse Oh, James. great. I mean, he, he he's off balance. He's rolling to his left. He's got a throw across his body. He doesn't have his feet set. And really that that i mean nagy said it in his presser he goes that was a big time nfl throw and it was mm-hmm. i mean that that true. tells you that shows you in one play what he can be when he finally reaches that level right, right. now you know now the question is who's going to be coaching him <laughs> we'll get to that topic in just a few minutes but you're absolutely right because the question now is you know is he in the right system? Does he have the right support staff in terms of coaches? And I think it was Brad Biggs who wrote, you know, the question though also is this, 
what about the weapons around him? Does he have enough weapons? And right now, the answer to that is no. Well, I see, that's where I disagree a little okay. bit. I, I think there's some weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just not being utilized. Mm-hmm. Um, is A-Rob any worse than he was a year ago? No. No way. Okay, but, you know, again, you got, you got a, a, a rookie quarterback who – you know, just doesn't get the ball out of his hand quick enough at times mm-hmm. or, or is quick enough to go through a, uh, a progression. And the guy that he is favoring as, as his number one, and maybe it's the design of some of these plays, is, is number 11, Mooney. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, A-Rob's not getting the touches. Uh, and I've said it before. I just I, I don't think there's any way that he is going to be on the Chicago Bears roster next year. Yeah, I mean they're going to have to make some decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a lot of it's, it is going to be, you know, are there going to be changes made at the end of the season? And when we're sitting here, what's the record? Two and five. Uh, three and uh, five. Or three and five. Okay. Well, you're sitting here at three and five in a three-game losing streak. And some tough games coming up in Pittsburgh and Baltimore, two very physical football teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it it looks bleak. Yep, it sure does. Well, and, and so what's your opinion? And we all know that in the history of the Chicago Bears franchise over 100 years, there's never been a head coach who has been fired uh, in during the season. Of course, Hallis wasn't going to fire himself. He, he was the coach for the majority of those years, but – Nonetheless, do you think it's at all possible that, you know, if, if the Steelers beat up on uh, the Bears, that we could see a coaching change during the bye week? You know, I don't see it. If, if, if they make a change, I, I don't see it then. It, I mean, it, it obviously it could, and I'm, I know I'm covering my ass here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just don't see it this early. But I'll tell you what's going to change things around the league, and we've never talked about it. That I've, you know, it's been written about because it's only been a new rule for a very short time, and you can start interviewing people in the last couple of weeks of the regular season. Yeah. Okay. And so you're not going to interview somebody unless you got a job open. You can't <laughs> because you got to put in a permission slip to go interview them. Okay. You know? Unless they're a college coach or or a coach that that is not working, and hell, you can interview those guys right now if you want. Mm-hmm. But if you want to interview um, somebody within the league, mm-hmm. in order to do that, you have to send a permission slip in. They mm-hmm. got to grant permission, and in most cases, because it's a head coaching job, they have to to grant permission. Mm-hmm. So, not in most cases, in all cases, they have to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, are, are you going to interview somebody for a job that's not existent? So right. the answer to that is no. So you've got to, you've got to have already made a decision to uh, release a guy and, and have that release done. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I will say this. When I worked in corporate America, we would sometimes interview people in the event that there was going to be an opening. That way you have a portfolio, a list of potential candidates. It's succession planning. You want to make sure that if the head coach, you know, drops dead or the guy working in accounting <laughs> drops dead, you've got other accountants online to bring them in in a pinch. And so does does that happen at all or, or does that thinking happen at all in the NFL? Well, you know, I've, I can tell you my experience. And my experience was our first year here, you know, we didn't come on board until June of 2001. Mm-hmm. And we were told that we had to keep Dick Durant for that season because okay. it was June. And, and so, but we were based on what the circumstances were the year before. We were under the assumption that we were probably going to have a new coach the following year. Mm -hmm. And we were doing preparation work during that season Mm -hmm. off or not, because we ended up, you know, winning the division, Mm -hmm. the old um, NFC central. Right. Right. (laughs) I got the game ball up here somewhere. Oh, cool. (laughs) And, uh, uh, you know, so that went out the window because Dick, Dick got an extension, but mm-hmm. then, you know, a couple of years later, we were doing the same thing during the season, you know, as far as we weren't talking to individual coaches, mm-hmm. we were doing preliminary work as far as some background checks and things of that nature. Yeah. Makes talking perfect to sense. Yeah. I mean, you, you've got to be prepared. Right. And, and so, and at that point, we started that that final year, Dick's final year, if you recall, we opened up out in San Francisco and got totally blown out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, the writing was on the wall right then and there. Yeah. So, you know, tomorrow's the trade deadline. So a lot of people are wondering if the Bears don't make a move, is that – a signal. I mean, there's so many questions that I have regarding the trade. Well, first, okay. Please. Let, let's. It's a non-day. Yeah, there was a trade for Von Miller today. You get a handful, maybe it, I, very rarely even a dozen trades at the NFL trade deadline. Mm-hmm. It's not baseball. It's not basketball. It's not ho- hockey where you got 50 trades going on mm-hmm. or more at right. the trade deadline. Right. I mean, some teams make four or five moves themselves. That doesn't happen in the NFL. And I'll tell you a great article to read. Peter King's football, uh, Monday morning football uh, article this morning. Excellent he stuff. talks about it. He said, how could a GM or a head coach in their right mind, even if a team, because of the playoff scenario, even if a team like the Bears, he didn't mention the Bears, but he mentioned the record, you're three and five, you're really not out of the playoff race. Exactly. How do you start selling, so to speak, and tell your team, to play hard. Mm-hmm. You can't. Well, it's, it's all over because of just the way the game is played. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And I, I've been telling fans don't expect much to happen. But because Jameis Winston went down and there may be a couple of other teams looking for a veteran quarterback, now you see uh, the name of Andy Dalton being floated around as a potential trade target for some teams and it doesn't look like Dalton is going to play again for the Chicago Bears maybe ever again uh, unless there's an injury right. to, to Justin Fields so isn't he then a trade candidate um 
I mean, maybe, but you know, look at the, the, the did you see the quote that that Sean Payton had? Yes. <laughs> be really difficult for us to bring in a, a quarterback from the outside right now. Mm-hmm. And it is because you got all. How long does it take to learn a system? Sure. And get the guy up to speed, and all of a sudden the season's over. Right. You know, so it 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 depends on what the position is. Quarterback is is very very difficult. Uh, some other positions, yes, but at the same time, it's like I said just a couple minutes ago, you just don't want to tell the team you're putting up the white flag. Right. And it's a different sport than than the other sports, the, just the way the whole thing is set up. And football, you know, basketball, hockey, and, and baseball are very individualistic games played mm-hmm. in a team setting mm-hmm. where football is the ultimate team game. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't do it. As you see, you're missing one part and you're in big trouble. Right. You know, and or you're missing two parts and you're in big trouble when that's not the case in in those other sports. Right. You know, and yeah. basketball, it's 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 two players and then all the rest are. <laughs> exactly. You need two you know, mo- moving parts. That's right. Uh, so true. But but the one of the things, though, that I think about regarding the Dalton situation and, for instance, what Sean Payton said is, so what happens if the guy that they have in there now, Simeon, he twists an ankle or breaks an ankle, and Taysom Hill is still not available. You well, they got, got Ian to, Book too. They drafted Ian Book in the in the fourth round. But you know, you know that Ian Book is not ready for NFL prime time. And a guy like Andy Dalton, who has been in the NFL for eleven seasons, he can come in here, he or in in, in New Orleans, and he could potentially pick up enough of the playbook to start three four days. After arriving, uh, is, is am I? Looking I don't. At that I don't just. Dis- I don't disagree with you. I just. And could it happen? Yeah, it could happen. Mm-hmm. Will it happen? Unlikely. <laughs> Un- unlikely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, you're say if you trade Andy, then you know Nick Foles becomes a backup, and that's you know that's not a big deal. One uh, because mm-hmm. because Fields is going to play. If Fields didn't get pulled after that game last week. In in uh, Tampa Bay, he isn't going to get pulled unless mm-hmm. he gets hurt. Mm-hmm. And he did bounce back. And you know the offense played hard. Remember, I said last week, I said the telltale sign of of this team of whether it's 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 near the end for this group running this team mm-hmm. is how this how they come back from that slaughter last week in Tampa Bay. Well, the offense came back. I you know. Yep. They didn't win the game, but they came back. They played stronger. Um, but the defense just didn't show up. And it that's amazing. That, that's scary. Right. Now, we talked a little bit before we went live, and um, you said something very interesting about safety Eddie Jackson, who left the game early, and a lot of fans perhaps don't recognize, and that is his value to the team is sometimes overlooked. And t- uh, tell us more about that. Yeah, I mean, is, is he the greatest tackler in the world? No, he yes. never was. He wasn't when he was in college. Right. But he runs the back end. Very, very smart player. I mean, he's not perfect, but, you know, he's already he's been to a pro bowl. He's got great instincts. He lines everybody up. 
you got to have a, a director, say, of, of every position group. And he's the director of the defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. And not having him out there line people up, that was huge. You got a guy, you know, you bring in Tease Tabor to, to play free safety for part of that game. And Deion Bush, had he not been hurt, he probably would have been the guy. But, right. you know, Tabor used to be a corner. Right. And it's not, you know, and he's not a corner because he can't run. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like a 4'7 guy coming out. He had great instincts, great ball skills when he was at the University of Florida until he lined up to run a 40, and they found out he ran it in reverse. He was so damn slow. And he still went in the second round, but he was a second-round bust. Uh, but – because of his ball skills and his instincts, the Bears moved him to safety, but he hasn't doesn't have a lot of play time there. Hmm. So, and the the big difference when you're playing corner, you're responsible for a, a smaller section of the field. Right. Okay. When you're playing safety, it's everything. Yeah. Okay. So your reads are totally different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a really tough situation for him to be in. And what about the significance of Khalil Mack not playing in that game? Well, um, he he draws double and triple team where people say, oh, his production's down. They paid too much for him. Well, mm-hmm. look what happens when he's not there. <laughs> yeah, it gets pretty I mean, ugly. You know, he, he opens up things for other people Yeah, because of all the attention he draws. Mm-hmm. And throughout the week with coaches having the game plan for him. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, the, the NFL network spilled the beans on that like last Tuesday or Wednesday. Oh, he's not going to be, he's not going to be available. He's going to go on IR. Mm-hmm. Well, so now your opponent goes into the game knowing he's not going to be there. And so, and they assume that, that Quinn's going to be there and he's the guy that they got to contain and they contained him. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to contain one guy than it is two or three. And, you know, I, I, I don't think that Akeem Hicks is playing at 100%. Yeah. It, it, that's I think that's pretty clear that he's not. Uh, courageous of him to get, go out there and try to help the team, but he's not. There was there. one play in pursuit. He, he made a play like 20 yards down the field, which is, is commendable mm-hmm. on his part. But still, he's just – he's not what he was – three years ago he's older injuries have hit him he's not as explosive as he was and i've said it a number of weeks i you know he's in the last year of his contract i don't expect him to be back well and and so that leads to my next question is what do you think could be going on at Hallis hall right now with the general manager and everyone responsible for player personnel decisions. They're looking at the schedule. They're looking at the fact that this season is going to be pretty much dedicated to developing their franchise quarterback at the expense of winning games. Because as you said earlier, the bears probably would have won another game or two if Andy Dalton was the starter. And I completely agree with you. So what could, potentially be going on at Hallis Hall right now in terms of uh, those guys, Ryan Pace and all his people, preparing for potential moves in the offseason if they're still here? Well, you can prepare for it, but that doesn't – and you're going to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll tell you a story because this is, you know, Jerry Angelo telling me this. 
Okay. You know, after the fact, after, after he got let go, he comes into the office that day with the idea in his head is, is they got to bring in a couple more coaches. They got to make some changes in the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a clue mm. that he was even on the firing line. Wow. And he goes and he walks in and Ted walks in his office and all of a sudden he's gone. You know, he was totally blindsided by that. Yeah. And and so, but I I almost get the the, the feeling that Matt Nagy may not be blindsided. You can almost you know it, maybe I'm reading too much into what he says at press conferences and so. But there is sort of this sense that man, if we don't make the playoffs this season, my job is gone. Do you get that sense at all from him? Yeah. Uh, I you know I think although he tries to avoid the question the best he can, mm-hmm. but. You know, and, and again, go back. All you got to do is look at the Twitter feed on, on those. Oh my uh, goodness, <laughs> it's brutal. On, on, on you know, on you know, scroll through the Twitter feed yes. of his press conferences, and, and you know, granted, they're 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 no names, and who gives a darn what they say, right? But at the same time, that is the general feeling. Of, of a majority of the fans. And yeah. it doesn't help that you've got most of the major media people mm-hmm. feeling the exact same thing. Yeah, which is, you know, well, so that leads to my next question. Are Do you think Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are joined at the hip? Is it possible that Ryan Pace could keep his job I know anything's possible, but what's yeah. your gut feeling? I, you know, I, I don't have the answer to that, but I would say that it'd be it'd be tough to keep it around because I mean, you you can't put Fox on Ryan Pace. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was really on Ernie Acorsi, mm-hmm. and uh, he and because and and the reason John Fox was brought in was because they wanted to mix. It was like, okay, we got a guy who's never been, a young guy has never been a general manager. We want a very experienced guy at the head coaching position. And really it was, it was never a good idea to begin with. Mm-hmm. And, and at first I applauded it. You know, I, I know John very, very well. We worked together for, for four years in New York, but I know going back to when he was a DB coach at the University of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it goes way, way back into the 80s. Mm-hmm. And the guy was always a hell of a coach. And and I might have said this before, but, you know, back in 2001, when we're making our preliminary list mm-hmm. for, the, for the coach in 2002 that never happened, mm-hmm. he was at the top of the list. Wow. And he ends up being a Carolina the next year and did a hell of a job. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, he took two different teams to, to Super Bowls, mm-hmm. both the Carolina Panthers and the Denver Broncos. But I think by the time he got here, you know, that was almost his retirement check. Right. So let me get back to the trade deadline situation because I was thinking about this uh, 
when I heard about the Von Miller news, Von Miller traded from the Denver Broncos to the Rams for a second, and I believe it was a third or maybe fourth round draft pick. The second and third, you know, I, I got a good friend who's, who scouts for the Rams, and he's got to be thinking, what the hell am I scouting for? We don't got any picks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> scouting for undrafted free agents. Is really? Funny. You're scouting for day You're scouting for day three. <laughs> exactly. Wow. That they don't crazy. have a pick on day one or day two next year. Before I ask my question, what do you think about that strategy? That thing I don't like. I don't. I personally don't like it. As, yeah. as a former college director, I don't like it because I mean, you know, that that that's all your work is for the draft, mm-hmm. and you know, it's work for the Rams. Sooner or later, it's going to come back to bite them in the ass. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and and I I thought and I. You know, I had a, a running DM with a guy earlier today after that trade was announced. I said, you know, the Broncos, George Payton, just raped the Rams on that deal. Mm-hmm. Vaughn Miller's 32 years old. He's only, he's like 10th, tied for 10th on the team in total tackles, but he does have four and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. And you know he's going to recharge the batteries when he goes to the Rams for, a, you know, at least when he first gets there. But then, you know, he's had injury problems and he's older. And and is he going to be a difference maker for that team? And they gave up a two and a three. Yeah. I'm sorry. One of the unique things in this, you don't see it a lot in the NFL. Denver's paying all but 700,000 of a salary. Denver's paying nine million. And that's one of the reasons they're getting the draft picks back. Right, they're they're right. picking up nine of the nine point seven million he's due for the rest of the season, so the trade off is okay. We're getting the player, but we're not taking the cap hit. You, mm-hmm. you know, you're taking you got you still got the cap hit, and Denver can afford to do it this year, but then he's off the books, and they got extra picks. So I mean, for George, that's a, that was a great trade for him. I, I agree a hundred percent. And Miller is a free agent next season. So that's maybe a loss for the Rams because they may not be able to sign him with all the contracts they have. And plus if Broncos really think that he's got anything left in the tank, maybe they re-sign him. He loves playing. They, they in basically they're gambling that they can re-sign him, but what's the number going to be? That that was a baseball trade done in football. That was a rental. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just like San Francisco got uh, Brian, Chris Bryant. You know, mm-hmm. his contract's up now. Right. So he's a free agent. Is San Francisco going to be able to re-sign him? But mm-hmm. the price you give up, and, and that's what the Rams did. This is a rental, and you very seldom see that in the NFL. Yeah. Now, explain to fans why it's – 99.99999% chance that Khalil Mack will not be traded. A cap hit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, same reason why um, Quinn's not going to get traded. You know, they, they take the money when, when you – you're not changing the dollar figure. You're changing the figure on how he gets paid. Right. And you're taking what, what they've done when they – restructure these contracts is you take current salary and you turn it into bonus money. So the current salary now gets amortized 
when it becomes bonus money, it gets amortized over the rest of the length of the contract, thus lowering your your cap figure for that particular year. So it's it's credit card buying and you're going to pay for it down the road. So when they made the adjustment on Quinn's contract uh, two, three weeks ago, it almost spelled, yeah, Quinn's going to be around for, for next season as well. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So highly unlikely we'll see anything significant in terms of trades for tomorrow, but this team will be trying to uh, – could they potentially be in a buy mode to make that push for the playoffs this season? Um, no, they don't have the assets to buy. (laughs) They they gave, they gave up a six, what, in 2023 or something for that returner. And that returner's actually done a pretty good job. Yes. So that, that has become, you know, a pretty good trade on, on Ryan's part. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, I, I, I just see him. You know, could there be a minor move? Mm-hmm. Like, what's more likely is a player for player, right? Yes. Giving up a, a a draft pick. Yeah. So, so I, you know, if someone called and inquired about Andy Dalton, you know, maybe you would look at the roster and say, "Well, we need a position player at this. Who, who do you got?" You know, uh, kind of thing. Is is, is that uh, is well? Is that no. Now, if somebody was going to take wanted Andy Dalton, the New Orleans Saints, or somebody else has got a, a hole of quarterback. I mean, you, you're going to get to be able to squeeze a draft pick out of them. But the Bears aren't going to give up a pick mm-hmm. well, yeah. to to go out and, and bring in a player. It's just not going to happen. It, 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 they've got five draft picks next season that they don't have a first round draft pick. So unless they're going to take the Rams approach to building a team, which is way too dangerous, they are not going to trade any draft picks, right? No, <laughs> no, it's it. not going to happen. And, and, and they're going to, and, and you're going to, ha- they're going to have to have money to now the cap is going to go up next year to what we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. You know, there'll be approximations coming out in, around December. And but and it could go up. I'm not going to say significantly, but it, it, it could go up. They've already done deals to. You know, for all the losses that the league had last year, the, they've made deals with the Players Association to kind of spread those losses out. Mm-hmm. So, you're, you know, you're not going to see a 20 million dollar jump in the cap, but you're going to see a jump. You're still behind where you should have been had COVID never come about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, and everybody's paying for that. And and because of that, you had to make, uh, you know, tough decisions, uh, you know, on certain players. And that's just, you know, the way things are. All of a sudden you got hit with a, a situation where you had $10, 15000000 million less to play with and salary cap than you thought you did Yeah. when, when you signed certain people to contracts, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's nobody who could foresee that coming. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's nobody's fault. It's just, it's a way of life and everybody's got to pay for it. Right. 
You know, years ago, when about the time when Ryan Pace was still with the New Orleans Saints organization, I remember reading an article about how poorly Mickey Loomis had managed to cap over there and that it put the team in some predicament. But nonetheless, they continued to win. And it, it appears well, he's supposed to be the cap guru if you listen to the media. Yeah, right. Well, apparently he's done certain things to overcome some of the challenges he's put himself. Yeah, in. you know what he does? He 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 does you know the the restructuring of contracts. Okay, which is but, what Ryan Pace has done, right? Uh, yeah, I mean you got and and, and you then but sooner or later you got to pay the piper, mm -hmm. or the contract finally expires. And, right. and so, you know, so, but you can't just cut the player because the, the cap hit is too great. Now you've got, you know, the beauty of having a first round pick on a quarterback. So you don't have to pay this guy an exorbitant amount of money for at least another three years mm -hmm. uh, and possibly four. Um, you know, they, they've already brought up the question, well, could David Montgomery get traded? Well, he could, but he's hurt. So who's going to trade exactly. for him? Yeah. Um, number one. Um, and what, what the, the, I got to word this the right way. <laughs> what, what Khalil Herbert has done is proven something that I have been saying for years. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it changed when we took, uh, said Benson in the first round in 2005, I think it was 2006, mm -hmm. 2005. It was a different game yes. and running backs were at a premium. Three running backs went in the top five that year. Mm -hmm. Since then, there's been less than four, I think, that have gone right in the top five. It just doesn't, unless they're extremely special, right? It doesn't happen, and you don't really see a lot. You might see one or two go in the first round, but a lot of times it's later in the first round. But what Khalil Hubbard has proven is that he's a guy they got in the sixth round, and he's a hell of a pet player. Mm -hmm. You know, so why do you spend a high premium pick? And and second, they are well. Most players are can be one play away from from not playing again, but mm -hmm. with a running back. It's more so than, than anything else. And, you know, everybody was down in the doldrums when David Montgomery got hurt. And this guy picks up the slack like, you know, there's nothing wrong. Exactly. Plays as good as Montgomery today. Well, he's, not, he's not as powerful, mm -hmm. but the guy's a hell of a player in his own right. You know, mm -hmm. so people, oh, maybe they'll trade him, you know, for a draft choice. I, you know, why not have two? Now, could they do that? Yeah, they could. But, you know, I think in the NFL, having that, that bell cow mm -hmm. is has gone away unless the guy's really special. You're better off having two, and it's, and it's even and, – and you're going to get Cohen back. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, you've noticed yesterday they had the camera on Cohen a lot on the sidelines. Yeah, I noticed uh, that. You know, uh, he's probably chopping at the bit. And, you know, and that's another piece of the puzzle. But, you know, when is he coming back? Mm -hmm. I, I know Nagy mentioned something about it last week. He said he's working hard. Uh, the, the, one of the reporters, might have been Patrick Finley, showed uh, Tevin Jenkins, you know, he can't practice because he's on PUP. 
but he was out there with the offensive line taking snaps from he, he was the uh the shotgun quarterback mm-hmm. uh, but all that stuff tells you that you know that he's not that far away from playing mm-hmm. now let's talk about larry borum who got his start at right tackle he, it was a tough assignment for him <laughs> he was lined yeah. up against a pretty damn good player but yeah, one of the overall, best. overall I, it, it appeared to my uh unexpert lies uh <laughs> to come up with the word unexpert um, it, it appeared that he had a good game. Yeah, I mean, I have to look at the the game tape mm-hmm. and say, you know, see how many mistakes he actually made. But yeah, I if, and not only that it was his first game, first time he played since you know he had three days of practice mm-hmm. since week one, so he's been out five weeks, mm-hmm. you know, with the knee injury, and he stepped in, he played every snap. Uh, I think they stole one. Yeah, with him. but they so. had, they say they had a second round grade on him. Almost as good as Jenkins. They said, yeah. And, and, and you know what? They were right. Which brings in another part of the argument. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ryan, if Ryan Pace has done anything, he's done a great job. Day two and day three in the draft. Mm-hmm. And so do you get rid of him? Well, here's a great question from the factor. Who is really most responsible for hitting on those mid and late round draft picks as the factor asks here? Is it Pace or is it his scouts? Because well, I've the heard scouts are the guy the scouts are the guys going out doing the dirty work, right. but it's never one person's opinion. And we've talked about that before. Yes. It's a collective opinion. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've got the area scout, you got a cross checker. You know, probably one other scout. You got the with an offensive lineman. The offensive line coaches. You know, probably if he didn't work him out, he's done a lot of work with him. Uh, and and then you've got and last year you really didn't have private workouts. So in the case of Bor uh, uh, of Borum, you you know if he he had to go to the pro day to work him out, mm-hmm. or or see him work out, um, and then you know. It could be Pace. It could be uh, the director of player personnel. It could be Sadowski, the director of college scouting. But somebody in that decision-making mode is going to have a report, if not two re- different reports on them. You know, we tried to have about a half a dozen reports on guys. Mm-hmm. You know, different different people, different looks. and But the final grade is a really a collective and it's and and I've said this before too. It's guys' grades never quite as high as the highest grade or as low as the lowest grade. It's 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 somewhere in the middle, and you don't average them out. Mm-hmm. It's just that you know you've got to take everybody's opinion into account. Mm-hmm. The factor asks: uh, Are the scouts part of Pace's staff, or they were, or were they already part of the organization? You know, most of these guys were hired by him. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look at, I mean, Phil brought in a couple people, but of the staff I had, mm-hmm. Sadowski's still here, mm-hmm. and he's the director of, of college scouting, and Jeff Shiver, who does a lot of the Midwest. And Jeff has been, been here since like 1986, um, maybe 1985. Those are the only guys from my staff that are still here. Rex Hogan is the assistant general manager of the 
New York Jets. Ballard is the uh, um, Phil Emery, I think, is retired. He was working for the uh, the Falcons for a while, and and then Ballard's obviously the GM of of the Colts. But we we had a small staff. We had the smallest staff in the league when I was there. Yet we still drafted twelve Pro Bowl players. Amazing. And um, but that's a, we wanted a small staff, and we held them all accountable. Yeah. But uh, Teddy Monago, I didn't mention Teddy. Teddy's gone. Teddy is the assistant director of college scouting for the Rams. You know, so, you know, th- th- those guys were quality guys, but they've gone on to better jobs, making more money. Right. My my recollection of it is that that very first draft, the Kevin White draft, or Ryan Pace's first draft with the Bears, the, all of the scouts were there, uh, were, 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 were he made changes to the scouting staff after that yes. draft yes. because you don't want to start over in, in January with a new scouting staff. You've got to rely on those reports that. Well, his original scouting. director of player personnel was the Jets GM. Okay. Okay. And then he left. No, he was, a, that was his, I take that back. It was his original director of college scouting. Okay. And then he left to become the Eagles director of player personnel this is Joe Douglas I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And then Joe left the Eagles to become the Jets GM. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I got a great question here for you from uh, who was it? Chris Watts. He, he wants to know, hey, can you share some great. St. Chris Watts that played guard for Notre Dame. And that was a second or third round pick of. Well, I'll take a look the, at his picture. Then no, San Diego it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't look like him, though. <laughs> He's from Yorkshire, uh, across the pond. There, he he wants to know: you got any stories from when you were a scout traveling on the road, going from city to city? I got a hell of a lot of stories with an after. <laughs> for after dark, they're not for, they're, yeah, they're not for. for. Uh, we'll get to some of those sometime in the future. Um, it is, it, I do find all of this fascinating that, you know, I, I hate the fact that the Bears are losing, of course, but I do find it fascinating as to kind of look into, I wish I could be a fly in the wall at Hallis Hall to figure out what are they talking about? What are they planning for the future? And I'm seeing a lot of comments here in the chat room. Greg saying that Ryan Pace deserves another chance because he has acquired so many players. Yes, he's made some mistakes. The Adam Shaheen. Well, there's not a guy. There's not a guy in football that hasn't made mistakes. Great point. Okay, on on, you know, on draft day. Mm-hmm. So, but it it's it's not just draft mistakes. It's free agent mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, and you got to hit. And and Mike Glennon was a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it looks like Nick Foles is a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. So you got to, you know, you got to take the good and the bad. But overall, his drafts haven't been bad. Mm-hmm. You know, and and he hadn't had a first round pick in a few years. No, he did this year. Technically, traded up, and and just to get that deal done, um, you, you got to give him an A for that. Mm-hmm. That he was able to get the deal done. Did any of us? I I knew they wanted to trade up. I had no freaking idea that they were going to be able to move from twenty to eleven and and get a Justin Fields. I was I was really surprised. So take us in 
into that whole scenario because I I truly thought that all five of those first round draft uh, those first I thought round, they had a chance at at, at Mac Jones. Right. And that's what I thought, because I thought all five of them would be gone within the first 10 picks. But here they are. They they they, they had the choice of two of them after they traded up. How, how does that happen, that, that there's this evaluation of these quarterbacks and there's so many different takes on it? Well, the key thing, in my opinion anyway, was San Francisco taking Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that... Had San Francisco taking taken fields, then or taken Mac Jones, Lance was still going to go because there were people enamored with Lance. I wasn't one of them. Uh, you know, I, I liked the talent, and, and I had a, a conversation with Daniel Jeremiah, and it was what he could be. And I see a comment there paying Dalton $10 million was a huge relief. No, it wasn't. They got $10 million for Andy Dalton was a bargain. He's a quarterback. Um, you, you I, pay I agree with Quarterbacks you. make money. Yeah. Okay. The, the post thing was a mistake, right? Yes. But, but paying Andy Dalton $10 million, that was worth every penny of it. I mean, that's, that's what quarterbacks buy. Guy was a, you know, multi-time pro bowler, took his team to the playoffs five times. He was worth $5 million. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, to get back, to me, the whole key to that draft was was Lance going third because I think there was people that were ready to jump on Lance later and then feels – and had that happened, you might have been right, and all, all five of them might have gone in the top ten. In the top ten. But mm-hmm. it just w- w- when they took Lance, it, it it took some other people, you know. For some reason, there's people that weren't sold on Fields, uh, and and part of it I think was some bad pub put out on him that he wasn't a worker. Well, if anything, he's a worker, you know. And 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 some teams may have done that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of times you put stuff out that that you you get a reporter that you like who will put out some negative stuff for you. And you know, it's remember it's the lying season, and so <laughs> that's right. You know, but still, you know that that he was able to do that. And I let we can change the subject a little bit here too. And sure. I know I'm going all over the place, but it's okay. That's okay, okay. So who was really the best quarterback? Well, the guy who's who's doing the best right now is Jones. Mm-hmm. Okay, and why is that? Jones, I'll, I'll tell you right now, it's because he was the most ready to play. Okay, he played in a pro-style offense. The adjustment, very, very smart guy. And the adjustment from what he's doing, what he did at, at, at Alabama and what he's doing um, in New England wasn't that big. Mm-hmm. you know what? And, and so he was more pro-ready than a lot of these other guys who are playing in college spread offenses. But at the same time, when you're doing the evaluation process, not only are you looking at today, but who's going to be the better guy three years from now. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's fair to that. Could Mac Jones become Tom Brady Jr. 
I mean, yeah, he could. It's a chance, yeah. But when when you look at it, go the upside of these other guys is a little bit more than Mac Jones is. Now the guy, the the two that were surprises to me that I just Lance I couldn't buy into because he only played one game in the 2020 season, and all his competition was one double A, you know FCS level competition. Mm-hmm. He never played against the big boys. Now, granted, he was running a, a solid offense and he was accurate and he had a strong arm and uh, made big plays. He could make big plays. He could make plays with his feet, but still, he was jumping like three levels of competition. Hmm. You know, FCS to 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 uh, group of five to power five to the NFL. That's you right. know, uh, well, the other guys like like Trevor Lawrence and, and um, Justin Fields, yep. they're taking one step. Yep. I mean, they played on the biggest stage. They played in the college football playoffs, you know, both multiple years ha- had done that. So, you know, what they've been around is totally different. To me now, the, the quarterback that the Jets took, Wilson, you know, he another guy, he's a group of five guy. Yeah who, you know, especially last year and the year before he was very average. So he mm-hmm. came on, you know, he had that big year this past season. BYU didn't play anybody. Mm-hmm. And then they played one really good team. I think it was Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina kicked his <laughs> rear end. That's right. That's what I, I can't get over that those quarterbacks, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson, given the competition that they had, given the small portfolio, like Mitchell Trubisky had one year as a starter, right, right. that they, those guys were valued higher than a Justin Fields and even a – Because of they're looking at what he can be. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you now, you probably watched them. They, you know, they televise all this stuff now. Wilson's pro day was pretty darn good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, I personally, I take a pro day and throw it out the window. I think they are totally useless for quarterbacks, not for other okay. positions, okay. for quarterbacks. And, and this is why they're totally scripted. Mm-hmm. And they are run by the, the private quarterback coach, the quarterback guru, not the school's quarterback coach, mm-hmm. but the guy that's hired by the agent to tutor this guy for six weeks. Mm-hmm. And they are scripted out to show the player's strengths and not show his, any of his weaknesses. Yep. And of course they're, they're throwing on air, but he had one play and I remember tweeting about it and then everybody else did it after him, except mm-hmm. for Trevor Lawrence, because Lawrence had to have the shoulder surgery and he had his very, very early, but rolling out to the left and while rolling out to the left throwing mm-hmm. and he throws a dime about 50 yards down the field. Mm-hmm. Well, then all of a sudden, Justin Fields had to do that. The other guys had to do it. And Justin Fields, you know, <laughs> one-upped him. That's right. You know, because it's like, okay, you can do that. I can do that, too. <laughs> and Justin Fields did it yesterday. Now, granted, it was only like a 20-yard throw or whatever it was yesterday. But that was when, that's when the bullets were live. 
It's it's funny because that you say that because I remember I was never a fan of Johnny Manziel when he played in college, and then I saw his pro day on the NFL Network, and I, I when said they to had myself, the brooms up, then you heard something. Yeah, right. And I said to myself, "Well, you know what? This guy's this guy actually looks pretty good. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he is going to be a good pro." No. His problem was not talent. His head, right? He was a druggie. He was an alcoholic. Yeah, it, it was everything else. It was like football was at the bottom of the totem pole. His football character was zilch. Yeah. And he was, and I'll tell you one thing, the guy was a really good liar because he said he would, in interviews, he would say all the right things and you would think he's sincere and he's going to be okay. And then he, his actions uh, were totally opposite from what he would say. It, right, no, tremendous waste of total, time. Total goofball. I mean, he was a great college quarterback. You can't take that away from him, but don't forget he's playing college. But once he got the money and got mm -hmm. into the NFL, you know, it, it became Party City. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So I, I want to finish off by by talking a little bit about this upcoming game against the Steelers. You know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we looked at that. Man, the Steelers are done. Oh, my goodness. They look awful. Now they've won three, what, three straight games. And they're looking like world beaters. This is not looking good for the Bears on the road. And, and Monday they, night. they beat Cleveland yesterday. I didn't watch any of that game. But, mm -hmm. you know, Cleveland's beating up right now. So yes. Cleveland's not playing with a full deck. So you okay. got to take that into consideration. But right. one thing about Pittsburgh, and did you see the Mike Tomlin? Um, I don't know if we talked about it last week. The, the presser last week, Mike Tomlin's name got brought <laughs> up for, for the like the, the USC. USC job. Right, yes. He ripped those guys a new rear end. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> you know, and, and it was very sincere about it. And then, you know, it's screened out. He goes, you don't see him, people asking Andy Reid if, if, you know, he wanted to put an end to it real quick. Or he goes, you don't see Sean Payton getting asked those questions. Why are you asking me? Mm -hmm. And, but he works for, in my opinion, the best organization in the NFL. Yeah. That, I mean, top to bottom, that is a class organization. They've only had two GMs. In history, that's amazing. I know that is amazing. Yeah, you know, they, they they hire a coach about every twenty years. Mm -hmm. You know why the, the stability of that franchise is unbelievable as compared to anybody else. I mean, they're they're the reason you, you look at at their model and you say that's why you don't want to fire somebody too quick. Mm -hmm. But you know, it, it it it's it's been built in like Kevin. Was Kevin Colbert, who was a friend of mine, was elevated to the GM. But Kevin worked there for a few years before he became the GM. Mm -hmm. You know, so he knew and he was brought up in the area. You know, he started off his career with uh, the Dolphins and then he was with the uh, Detroit Lions. But he spent a long time. He was brought up in that Pittsburgh area and then spent time with within the organization before he was elevated to GM. Mm -hmm. I, I got to tell you, uh, it, it, I've I've read also that the Bears want to emulate what the Steelers have done with that stability with the GM and coaches and so forth. So those people who may want Matt Nagy gone might, might uh, be in for a surprise if the Bears elect to take that same approach well, as the Steelers. You know, the, the, 
my this I'm saying this, okay, mm-hmm. and, and and I have no idea what's going to happen or what's not going to happen, but in my opinion, if Matt Nagy's gone, it's not Ryan Pace's decision. That's oh. a George McCaskey, Ted Phillips, Virginia McCaskey decision. Mm, interesting. Well, and I, I've always gotten the impression from them that they love to give coaches and their administrators the benefit of the doubt. And so you almost can sense sometimes with what Matt Nagy is saying at press conferences, saying things like we're making progress and always kind of shining a positive light on things and talking about the culture and so forth, that he, he might be making an appeal to Mr. McCaskey and Virginia McCaskey. Well, George is a lot different than Michael was. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. George, George is going to make decisions a lot differently than Michael. Totally different personalities. It does seem like George also listens to the fans, and uh, he responds to a lot of letters that he gets from his uh, season ticket holders. He he interacts with fans at games and so forth. And so they're not; they're, those fans are sharing their disapproval. And uh, you know, and a lot of players have uh, vocally have been very vocal. A lot of ex players have been very vocal. Well, about you disapproval. know. That, that That's the key, is that you've got a lot of ex-players that live in the area that have been very vocal in recent weeks. Hmm. And I think that carries some weight. Last question for you. We had on Doug Plank, I think, a couple of years ago, and one of the things that he was complaining about was that the Bears have never given an opportunity to, for former players to be assistant coaches, to be coaches, to work in an administrative and so forth. And his contention was, you got guys who are bleeding navy blue and orange. These guys know the history of the Chicago Bears. These guys are smart. Like you mentioned, Gary Fensick could be a GM candidate or could have been a GM candidate and so forth. Do you think that there's any value in looking at people who have played for the Bears to have hold decision-making posts after their playing careers are done? If, if they're qualified, sure. You know, it's, it's some of these people want the job, and I'm, and I'm not specifically talking about names you mentioned. Okay. They want the job, but they don't want to work the – they they don't want to climb the ladder to get they want the job right off the bat yeah i've heard that about uh, a former middle linebacker who wore number 50 and is in the hall of fame but uh... you know so they they don't want to learn and and like somebody sent me a text during the week well do you think the bears should hire peyton manning to to run the front office as the new president Mm-hmm. when's the last time Peyton Manning ran a football team? <laughs> and I'm not saying he, he couldn't, right? but he's been a freaking quarterback. You want to see people with and some he's a now, and he said, Yeah, I mean, you know, and they said, well, John Elway did. John Elway made a lot of mistakes. Oh, yeah. Okay, and and he had people above him and then, and then got, mm-hmm. you know, finally got that, that top job, but you know, it, it, it's not easy. And when you don't uh, – Lynch has made some mistakes. 
Lynch is, you know, goes from, from broadcasting to the front office. Mm-hmm. Overall, I think Lynch has done a, 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 a real good job in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, bottom line, though, is that, you know, people talking about Shanahan. Now, Shanahan, how about Shanahan's only had one winning season? Wow, I didn't know that. As a head coach? Mm-hmm. That was the year they went to the Super Bowl? Amazing. Yeah. He still got a losing record this year. That is amazing. I, I but he's the greatest coach in the NFL just about, you know? But, <laughs> That's right. One winning season. Well, up until yesterday, a lot of people in San Francisco were wondering whether uh, he should continue to hold on to his job. He's, he got a reprieve right. yesterday. <laughs> right. And and so, you know, hey, it's, it, it's a funny game. What have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. You win and everybody loves you. And, mm-hmm. and, and you lose and everybody hates you. Right. And, and, and this city... This city's harder, you know. I, I've worked in two big media markets. This one in New York, mm-hmm. and I, I'm going to say Chicago's a lot tougher than New York ever was. Because, um, part of it, I think, is the emergence of talk radio, okay, and social media since mm-hmm. I've been here. Yeah, yeah. Where what you know, I came. It's been 20 years now since I've been here, mm-hmm. and you didn't have that. Mm-hmm. The whole time I was in New York, there was WFAN, which was just, you know, still w- w- was becoming an entity, but wasn't the entity that it is now. And, and, and talk radio was still in its infancy when I was with the Giants. And now, it, it you know, it's huge. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, every time we do a show together, I learn you're such a great storyteller. This has been fantastic. It's unfortunate, though, we're not talking about wins. We're talking about losses. You gotta That's why we got to change the subject because we're <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, you'll be you'll be walking out the door and I'll be walking on that ledge. That ledge <laughs> exactly. So uh, why don't we do this again next week? But let's do it on Tuesday after the game because they're playing Monday night football. What do you think? Sure. All right, Greg Gabriel, you are the absolute best. I will let people know that we've got tons of more programming. It's not just Chicago Bears program. We've got Cubs, we've got Sox, we've got Bulls. We've got three Bulls programs on the network now. We've got uh, hockey and we've got entertainment. In fact, uh, tonight we'll be recording uh, Science Fiction, uh, a show about science fiction movies. So uh, for all of us here at the Barroom Network, That man is Greg Gabriel. My name is Aldo Gandia. We will see you here next week after that win against the Steelers. Right, Greg? It's going to be a win, right? right. I hope so. (laughs) I'll tell you one thing. It's going to be Uh as a backyard brawl when you play the Pittsburgh Steelers. You better get ready to be fighting in, in that game. Yeah, well, then uh, we might end up losing that game because I'm not sure what the defense is doing nowadays. <laughs> that, that, you play the Pittsburgh Steelers, it's always a street. They are the most physical team in football. Always hey, have them. See, you're always inspiring me to ask more questions. I was a big Chase Claypool fan coming out of Notre Dame, and I yeah, wanted the Bears to draft him. Yeah, no, I, I love Chase Claypool. I wanted him more than Cole Komet, and I wasn't down on Cole Komet, but I just thought Chase Claypool was going to be an outstanding player. And it, a missed opportunity for the Bears. It could really, you know, me. I, I, I'll tell you one thing. I would Chase Claypool. His last year at Notre Dame was playing at about two thirty, maybe mm-hmm. two thirty-five. To me, I was thinking, boy, what if you use this guy not only as a wide receiver but as your move tight end? Mm-hmm. 
And, I, you know, so I, I, I'm with you. I like Cole Komet and he's starting to come on. Yes, he is. And I think, and, and, uh, you know, the position he's playing is not an easy position. If you, you know, you look at, at, the history of tight ends and when they, when they finally break out and, and very, yeah. Yeah. Seasons. Yeah. And, and it, it just takes a while for, for the most part for them to really break out because they're really asked to do a lot. And, you know, they're part of the run game. They're part of the passing game. They're a very important part of the run game. It, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a unique position, but, Claypool would have created some mismatches that would have been tough to. Man, I don't, I don't believe we let him go away. But Ryan Pace, hopefully, better decisions ahead. And uh, again, I, 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 I learned so much from working with you on this show, Greg. A really, an honor and a pleasure. Uh, and we'll see you here next week. Okay? Sounds good. All right. Bye, bye, everybody. Okay. Bye, bye. We'll be right